Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. We spoke on the show yesterday about miscarriage and what it's like to go through it, how difficult it is for people uh, dealing with it at the time and in the aftermath as well. And the number of supports, or the lack of, as we found out on yesterday's show, that are available to people. This is some of Sinead's story. I should have been about seven and a half weeks pregnant and went into the scan and there was no baby in my uterus. So as you can imagine, I lay there going, no, but all of these tests have shown that I'm pregnant. So I worked that whole week. I I just logged in as as normal. My head was all over the place. Um, And on the Friday then, I was actually admitted to Hollis Street. So I spent the weekend in hospital. I then had the surgery on the Monday. So I took the Monday off work to remove the pregnancies and my my left tube as a result. Um, And then... The following day, I, I logged back into work because I was so worried that I had just taken two weeks off in um, the April. Sorry, I actually get really emotional when I think about that time. Um, take your time, Sinead. Two weeks off um, in the April. And I just felt that I, you know, I was only on a contract at the time. I just felt that I couldn't take any more time off. So I had had the surgery on the Monday and I logged back into work on the Tuesday. Sinead and Siobhan and Linda got in touch with us in the show yesterday and told us their stories and they're heartbreaking, heartbreaking stories. Um, Just even listening to the three women still talk about the toll it takes on them and like the pressure they felt in many cases to go back to work because they hadn't told their employers, felt they couldn't tell their employers and it led to a conversation about support services that are there for people. We found out there's actually very little support unless you're at 24 weeks in the first and second trimester, which, as we heard yesterday in the show, is when a lot of people go through this, there's very, very little available to people, to, pe- to, bo- to both people, to the couple that look and want to avail of some kind of compassionate services. And there's very little out there. And we've been asking why. Why is that? And today, again, as I mentioned, there were people got in touch with uh, with me on Instagram last night, actually, after the programme and many emails this morning, too, when I come in. So people want to talk about this. They feel it's not spoken about enough. So we, we want to chat about it today. So if you want to share your story, if you want to drop me an email, that's lunchtimelive at, uh, at newstalk.com and we'll try and create time to chat to as many people as possible that that would like to talk about this. Sarah's with us on the line today. Sarah, you got in touch. You were listening to to the ladies yesterday. Is It's something you've been through. Good afternoon, Andrea. How are you? I went through my miscarriage in 2019 and it, it was quite traumatic. Um, I was told early on in my teens that I'd struggle to get pregnant, if at all, as I have PCOS. And I got pregnant on the first go. We just bought our first house and um, I did the test, found out that spring. And then just on the cusp of my 12th week, I had extremely heavy bleeding. And that was the end of it. Um, It was something I wasn't prepared for because as the ladies discussed yesterday, you're planning a life. You're you're planning your future, what's going to happen. And then it's all taken away from you. So um, in my case, it was a missed miscarriage. And my baby had died two weeks before I found out. So that was that was something hard to deal with. Yeah. yeah. When when you found out, like at that scan, it was something you know, Sarah, that was mentioned yesterday by some of the girls in the program. Um, did you feel 
did you feel those in the like the, the doctors, the consultants, the, were they compassionate to you? How um, I know in their industry they have to be. They have to be kind of you know quite. I, I can't even what the word to describe it would be, but they have to be kind of numb for the patient and be empathic, but not too much. I understand that completely. But um, I mean, I was given out to by a nurse because I wasn't collecting the tissue when I went in um, for my DNC in a bowl with paper, uh, a paper bowl. I was, I was given out to for not doing that when I wasn't told the process. It was my first DNC and my first uh, miscarriage, excuse me. And um, just to be treated like that and just like a, like a number. But there were a couple of nurses and midwives that will remain with me that that were so supportive and so empathic and so gentle towards what I was going through. But I, I do agree more needs to be done. Absolutely. Can you put into words at all, Sarah, the impact of the loss? Um, well, the way I can describe it is that you go into a bubble. It's like a vacuum. As soon as it happens, you just you don't know what's going on around you. You're in this void. You can't experience it. Like, I don't know how women work. I just took a week off and that's all I was certified for. And um, I, I just didn't know what was going on around me. I went into a really dark emotional place and my husband suggested that we go just try and get me out of the house. We go to Ikea and just buy some bookcases and things for our new house. And um, it was the worst thing we could have done. It seems like every pregnant woman in Dublin was there with her baby or, you know, it was just, it just set me off even worse. So from there on, I just went into a really dark emotional place for months. And I think none, what helped was I had a really supportive network around me, my, my husband, my family and friends. But a lot of people, again, did not want to talk about mm-hmm. it. I think basically, basically because they were unsure of how to approach it or whether they're going to upset me or what was the border? Where do you stop? Um, so I just think that's the taboo. People just don't want to talk about it to you. And that's why I started my, my own podcast but it's if you can't talk about something how can you heal and if it's so taboo in Ireland and it's, it's not talked about well, how are we supposed to heal from that how are we supposed to get over it there's but still luckily, a s- I have that network around me there's still a, still a silence I mean you're talking about 2019 and I mean even listening to the stories yesterday Sarah for people even going through it right now or, or this week, and I have an, an email I'll bring let you bring in a few moments as well um, from somebody that's going through it, at the, you know, literally this week. But like, there's still clearly the silence around it. Absolutely, is it that we just? I'm, I'm trying to think about it as well. Is it that people don't? They're afraid of talking about reproduction. I know in this country it's got the old-fashioned thing: you don't talk about this, and you don't talk about women's issues and things. I don't know if a lot of it just stems from from that, but it's just nobody wants to discuss reproduction or loss or anything like that. Um, but my husband was amazing. Um, thankfully, I have that. There's a lot of women who don't have that support network around them, and that breaks my heart. More has to be done. I mean. I even thought to myself, what if a GP had even just the, the receptionist call and say, look, two weeks later, are you doing OK? There's no signpost for anything or referrals to the miscarriage association or a grief counsellor. Nothing is, is signposted to you. So you're literally left at this dead end once your DNC is done. It's like, that's it. Bye bye. Just to have somebody call you two weeks later and say, how are, how are you doing? Mm. Are, you, are you doing OK? There's none of that at all. 
I know there's a lot of people have been, you know, have mentioned to me even through Instagram last night, actually. I think it's Felican and, and miscarriage.ie is, you know, two good sources that a lot of the, the listeners to yesterday's show said they found really beneficial and, you know, and help them and good sources, um, good sources of advice. But what would, what would looking back, Sarah, what would have helped you in terms of the, you know, the, the supports that you'd like to see put in place that, that might help support people? Well, all your notes go back to your GP from the hospital once you're discharged. So that's, as I was saying a few minutes ago, just to have somebody reach out to you or have somebody send you a letter, you know, if you're not feeling okay, like there's Marathons almost, but not that, you know, just something just to say, if you're not feeling yourself, if you're not dealing with this, okay, please call this number. And this is a, a list of groups and societies that you can get in touch with that may offer you help. I think something like that may be a little bit more beneficial to women than just a dead end. Had you told many people at the time, Sarah, that that you were expecting? I'm quite a chatty person, so I was quite vocal about it. And yeah. I wasn't ashamed to say, well, I've lost my baby. You know, it's, it's one in four women. And unfortunately, with my, with my pregnancies following that, I have two children now, thank goodness. But um, I've always been the negative side of the statistic. You know, I've developed health syndrome in my next pregnancy and I was chronically, like the whole second pregnancy and the first pregnancy, I was terrified. I was traumatized. That's why I think women need more signposting for help because in your following pregnancies, you live every moment, oh my God, I've stopped a symptom. Does that mean I'm miscarrying again? And every time you go to the bathroom, you look for blood in the following pregnancies, you just expect it. And sometimes what you fear most, you can actually make happen by worrying about it too much. So it really, it really, we need more help in this country, absolutely. And I know in the UK that's helping with, with Tommy's and uh, Mylene Class has done a huge, big campaign, which he's won, that women now are being, their health care is being investigated after the first miscarriage rather than waiting for the third. Okay. In, like in this country, which is absolutely fantastic. They're way ahead. Absolutely. And we need to do more in this country. It's not good enough. Yeah, you know the point. Even actually, just hearing you say that, Sarah, and I know even friends of mine have said it to me as well. Like the, the, you know, even if you've gone through a miscarriage and the emotional toll that that takes, and and trying to move on from it, and if, and if there happens to be, unfortunately, some more subsequent miscarriages, but then when they do get pregnant, it's actually this spend the next couple of months petrified. You do. I went through. It wasn't until my 20th, 20th week I let go and allowed myself buy baby clothes or something for the nursery. I just expected another miscarriage. Um, and I just, I would not allow myself to look at a baby section online or I wouldn't let myself go into one of the retailers with all the baby equipment and furniture. I just couldn't do it. Both pregnancies after. So I guess you can say it is a long-term traumatizing um, effect. And I have read that miscarriage can have the same post-traumatic stress as post post-traumatic stress as combat, post-combat. So it's on the same level as military okay. combat, a PTSD. Yeah. And something, as you mentioned too, that affects one yeah. in four people four. and yet they're, it's not talked about at a national yeah. level on a, on, a, on a regular enough basis at all from what I'm hearing from you and, you know, Siobhan and, and, um, and Sinead and Linda that were, were with us yesterday. I, I want to bring you an email to um, Sarah that I got from a listener um, overnight. And just for, for listeners, just bear with me for a moment. But I thought it was a, a really, um, just a really eloquent email. And I, I want to read this out to you. Um, 
Having personally experienced this heart-wrenching journey uh, that you described yesterday, I'm deeply appreciative to your dedication to raising awareness on a national platform. The process surrounding miscarriage is regrettably deeply inadequate and I think the commitment to addressing the matter resonates quite deeply with me at the moment. Just this week, my wife and I laid our beloved baby Conan to rest. His loss at 18 weeks has left us enveloped in an indescribable wave of grief. Unfortunately, this grief is compounded by the additional stressors tied to workplace leave and compensation. My return to work this Wednesday, shortly after Conan's burial, has left me with little time to properly process our loss. The suitable leave entitlements forced my hand in this matter, or the unsuitable leave entitlements. While we were fortunate enough to manage some extra unpaid time off for my wife, the burden of this situation adds to the weight of what we've already endured. The struggle to imbalance the mortgage payments, the daily substance against the imperative to grieve properly has been so distressing. As you aptly pointed out, my, my wife is not merely ill, She's gone through one of the most harrowing and traumatic experiences that a woman can undergo and the depth of this ordeal is perhaps beyond the grasp of those who haven't walked this path themselves but I wouldn't wish such anguish upon anyone. Your initiative in spotlighting the matter gives me hope that positive change can emerge for individuals who encounter similar circumstances. And on a personal note, I wish to extend my heartfelt gratitude for the advocacy. In an unusual way, I feel the efforts have proved and provided some solace in my grieving process, confirming that my sentiments of frustration are shared by others has helped. I sincerely hope that you and other advocates will persist in championing the rights of individuals like my wife until ch- tangible change transpires. You'd really just feel for that listener that's just happened, as they say, this week, literally this week. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We're talking about support services for people going through and dealing with a miscarriage and calls for miscarriage bereavement leave in this country beyond the 24 weeks that we currently offer people going through this but particularly for those in the first and second trimester and we were chatting to Sarah there just a few moments ago actually people wondering her she has a podcast actually specifically about this too um beyond miscarriage on Spotify or Apple as well, I should say it's called. This texter says, I've had a number of miscarriages over the years. The staff at the Rotunda were always fantastic, but the miscarriage clinic was in the maternity hospital, so you were surrounded by pregnant women or women coming in with newborns. It was like a new form of torture. Louise says, I've never been pregnant, but after listening to those women yesterday, it just made me realise that even now this country doesn't help women. Another texter has got in touch to say, my wife recently went through a miscarriage. Can you please talk about the impact this too has on men and the support services that we also need? Well, Rory is with us on the line today because Rory, you and your wife have recently been through this as well. Yeah, thanks, Andrea. Um, yeah, it's actually over the last four weeks, um, so it's, I guess, relatively raw, but um, yeah, definitely struck home, I think, with what you posted yesterday and in terms of, you know, raising this. Um, but yeah, we've, we've kind of been on this, this journey. We we actually live in, in London, um, but I'm from Dublin originally, but um, yeah, I think it, the kind of whole process, I think, from the email you just read out, you know, the other people you've had on the show, I think it really... Um, 
you know, it kind of <laughs> definitely rings true, I think, in terms of uh, our experiences as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience, Rory? Um, yeah, so we um, obviously were elated and um, probably about, I guess now, two and a half months ago and when we got the news that we were pregnant. Um, and I think then you kind of go in that phase where it's a kind of a strange bubble, I guess, from watching my wife go through. It's a bit strange in the sense of you don't say to anyone that you are pregnant because you're potentially worried of the risk of miscarriage. But then um, um, probably four weeks ago, we, we, we had a you know, an early scan and the, the scan kind of, um, you know, made us aware that it, it wasn't looking good. And then we had a follow-up up early scan the week after. And then that was when, the, you know, things were confirmed to us. But I think in that whole phase, then you feel you do need to tell people because you're kind of worried that people will say the wrong thing and naturally enough. So, yeah, I think we definitely that experience, like, and you know, I know people are talking about the Irish system, but uh, you know, oh, you know, our experience was quite mixed. I would say, like you know, mm. the private scan we had, I think the person was quite callous and quite, you know, like very business as usual. And you're hearing quite devastating news, and I think we kind of all felt a little bit like we almost felt thrown out on the street, almost like sorry, you know, we we asked a simple question at the end, which you know, it was a really difficult time anyway, but just to say, so kind of what happens next and, you know, to give you an idea, the the surgeon or, you know, the, sorry, the consultant was like, sorry, this isn't a miscarriage appointment. This is just a scan appointment. So you'll have to ring your GP for the for the rest of that information, um, which is pretty horrendous. Um, mm. So, yeah, like, you know, we've, and then the last few weeks, obviously, we've kind of been, you know, and I have to say, um, you know, my wife's employer actually, she did let them know, and, and they do actually have a, uh, which not a lot of companies do. It's not a UK-wide thing. I don't think it's, uh, you know, specific to them, but they actually have a kind of a policy for pregnancy loss and um, that she could take up to two weeks, which she ended up not taking the full two weeks, but it was really, really helpful to have okay. because, you know. Um, yeah, so we've had a real mixed bag, I would say, of some things yeah. that are good. And actually, we had quite positive. The NHS experience was actually really good. and But then the private scan experience was horrendous. So I think it does kind of depend on who you, who you interact with, um, which obviously isn't great. It's interesting to hear you talk, Rory, about, you know, even the, the support services. Um, like even, you know, the, the two weeks leave that, you know, bereavement leave that your wife was, was able to able to avail of. Um, did you say, sorry, I just didn't catch you, did, does she work in a, is that standardised or is that just in, in a private company? That's standardised in her company that is in their policy. Obviously, she only kind of knew that by reaching out to, you know, her manager who reached out to her HR manager and kind of let her know that policy was available should she, should she want to avail of it, which I think is, you know, was so um, appreciated, mm. you know, um, because I think that other listener you you had on, he was ever kind of like, I felt I had to go back to work. I felt, you know, that whole, um, you know, process there just, you know, making them amplifying a more difficult scenario, you know. I thought it was interesting. Both both you and Sarah a little earlier mentioned um, the point about, and I think something I, I am I see a lot of lot of people I know, you know, they, they don't tell. Um, friends and family and I totally understand why maybe up until the point of 
getting to 12 weeks. And then, as you mentioned, Rory and, and Sarah did too, like if the miscarriage happens in, in the earlier stages of that, then like, as you said, you, you know, you, you haven't told, you haven't told anybody maybe in some cases. Um, and that's, is that, is that hard? The no- yeah, I think, I think it's a really big, you know, looking back on it, you know, I kind of think, well, what was, why, you know, we, like, we did share it with a few different people did know, like, um, but not a huge amount, you know, and, and, you know, I think if I look back on it, I think it's a kind of a weird kind of social convention that people don't, because I think you massively need the support we had. We were like really fortunate. We had like really close friends of ours that had gone through something similar, like you know. Um, but I think if you didn't have that, you really would be at a bit of a loss. And so it was nice to be able to share a little bit. But then I feel then you, you feel a massive need to share it because you're really worried that someone might say the wrong thing. Like, it's such a common... I've only, I've only been hyper-aware of it obviously over the last few months but in, in our scenario, but you'd be really surprised at how often people still go, oh, you're not drinking, and say to your wife, oh, you're pregnant. Well, you could be pregnant, you might be trying and struggling, you might be trying to not drink as much because you're trying to conceive. You you know, you might have just gone through a miscarriage. Yeah. Like, it's... Watching it, watching it is a kind of a weird because I I think going forward I think it's like you would actually would be better off I think sharing it and saying we have we have conceived it's super early we all know the risk but fingers crossed like we're you know like I think that would be um, better because I think then people wouldn't be you know my wife we went to a wedding and you know pretending not to drink because you don't want someone to spot you not drinking because then they're going to think you're pregnant you know it's this kind of added anxiety for you know from my wife's perspective, you know, mm. that I just kind of watched it from the sideline and you're like, oh my God, like this whole process. And then you get out the other side and I just don't think it's very well signposted in terms of if it's so common, which it clearly is numbers wise, like to give you some idea, Andrea, and um, why I kind of wanted to reach out was like when I told friends of mine that didn't know we were pregnant, but then I let them know we weren't, it was actually because we weren't coming back to Ireland a few weeks ago. And I was like, look, we're not coming back. Unfortunately, we're going through this. And uh, it was only then that so many of my friends said, oh, my God, we've been through this two or three times. We've I'm, There's a friend of mine going through it even, like, a couple of weeks before us, you know, and people just don't talk about it because people don't want to say they are pregnant. And I actually think it's kind of a, the wrong way around because I think if more people knew, then people would be more sensitive around me and then also be there when if it, if it does unfortunately happen. You know? I was, so I think it's like a bit of a weird scenario yeah, in general. I know, I know, and I imagine it must be very, very personal, um, you know, to to everybody individually as well. How is your your wife doing, Roy? Yeah, like you know, it's it's up and down, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's, it's a super tough. Like she's back working, she's doing like you know amazingly, but yeah. it's you know it's super tough. It's very, it's it's ex- extremely difficult, Rory. I can't, I can't imagine. But just the, I think that the impact that it has on, been listening to you and Sarah a little earlier, and all of the other callers that we've been talking to. Like it's, you know, you're you're right. We we do need to chat about it more, and we do need to talk about it more. And 
if talking about it helps, then, you know, absolutely. I, I think we, we should and try and find ways to have more supports. Uh, Rory, thank you for, for getting in touch with us and sharing your story and, and uh, take care of yourself as well. Thanks for joining us on the programme. Okay, thank you. Suzanne is with us too. Suzanne, you wanted to share a little bit of your experience. I did, Andrea. Thanks for a fantastic show. And Sarah this morning was just recently there was just fantastic. Yeah. No, I had a, a very early miscarriage. I was saying to you this morning, it's like probably 30 years ago now. Um, but yesterday's show just triggered. I was doing something. and It just triggered everything for me again. So it's obviously unresolved trauma, really. Um, and listening to all the other people speak. My experience was first baby. I was talking to my ex-husband this morning and I was we were chatting about it. We were so young and innocent. But again, you are pregnant. You're pregnant for 10 weeks. You have a life inside you. Your hormones change. My experience was, I could remember the day I miscarried. I was standing, waiting on the lift. Um, and again, at the time, my doctor at the time was totally unsupportive. It was just dismissed. These things happen. You know, um, it'll happen. You know, you will get pregnant again. Like as if it was a nothing um, listening to the viewers this morning talking to, it, I reminded myself of the trip into into the rotunda for the, you know, the DNC and all that stuff, and it was so robotic. But I suppose listening today and it triggered so much for me yesterday. I think it's fantastic that people can speak about it. But I think the sad bit for me is, thirty years on, nothing really has changed for women. I was just going and to say, I, yeah. You know, and Ireland is such a progressive country in so many other ways yeah. for women, which is, and I was chatting to my dog minder yesterday, she was listening to the show too, and, you know, she was saying her niece had has had nine miscarriages in the past three years, but it's just so sad that it's still the same, it's, it's you, 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 we can't own it, it's the loss of a life, it's the loss of a child. Um, for me, personally, the trauma is still there, because I was really upset yesterday, and it takes a lot to but it's just the trauma of remembering it and then also feeling sad that in, in 2023, it's still the same. I think Sarah this morning made great points in terms of support afterwards group because you do go into a black hole after it because you don't know what's happened. Um, and I think even listening to other people this morning has given me comfort on a positive note. When I shared this with my older son many years later, when he was an adult, he took great comfort in the fact that he did have, I know it was a girl I was carrying. He took great comfort in that he has an older sister somewhere. It yeah. was a great revelation for him. He took great comfort in that. But I suppose, Andrea, for me, I'm a coach and a mentor, and I've introduced, you know, really reduced, I suppose, sessions for miscarriage support. And I think there should be more support groups. And I'm going to take an action myself, maybe to try and set one up, because it spurned me so much yesterday that it could knock me sideways all these years later. And my heart goes out to that man. I know. I really felt for, for Rory there. And, you know, since since I, while I was talking to Rory, I could see there were other messages that came in from from other men, actually, you know, and, and they, they would say in the message, you know, I'm a man and I, I'm listening to, to Rory on the show today. And there was one guy in particular in his message, like he makes the point that he was, he, he wanted to get in contact with the show yesterday and he didn't because he felt he he nearly couldn't contribute. And yes, like... He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't. You know, he's, he's such a part of the story and the experience, but he felt he he was reluctant, he said, to, to ring in, you know, and he was glad. He was just making the point and to say that to Rory, he was glad that he did, that, you know, men too no, should talk about it. Because men are kind of shunted out and we chatted about it this morning and it, it woke him up to, oh my God, we were so young, it was so horrible. 
It was terrible. But just I'll, I'll finish on this because I know the people want to speak. Sarah's point at the support afterwards, my GP in particular was dreadful. When I went to him for my final, you know, checkup, his wife was coming home from hospital that day with a brand new baby. It was heartbreaking. The baby's coming into the surgery. I'm there. But I just never went back to him. He still practices. But, and, the, and the final thing I'll say, Andrea, similar to what Sarah said, I was traumatized for my two subsequent pregnancies for the full nine months. I don't think I relaxed till the two babies were born. So I think to, to finally say, like, the trauma is there and it's, it is pretty much... It needs to be addressed. Yeah, what well, as you said, and thanks for raising it. Oh, not at all. I mean, sure, it's you know, it's it's remarkable when you listen to people's stories and just the impact it has. And as you know, as you said, like thirty years on, how triggering it was for you yesterday. But in many ways, I'm thinking, you know, of of course it is. If it's if it's un it's unresolved, nearly grief, isn't it? That yes. bereavement yes. that's not dealt with. And that's that's why we're we're chatting about it and hearing calls for a specific really miscarriage bereavement leave or certainly more supports than are there, which are the 24, uh, 24 weeks plus. I, I have an email here too, um, Suzanne, I, I just want to read to, to listeners as well. And this this te- this texter or this listener says, um, I lost my baby at 13 weeks in April of this year. That'll have been my sixth miscarriage in two years. Although my other miscarriages happened before the babies had reached six weeks, I already have two kids aged one and and almost four. I'm still going through the ever-changing and difficult process of grief and losing my baby four months ago. I was lucky to be on Easter break at the time, immediately after the loss, and there were many things unclear to women in Ireland about miscarriage. I was unaware, even after two children, that I would have to labour and give birth to my baby after being induced in hospital only a few days after my baby was confirmed dead at a routine ultrasound. I didn't know that we'd be given the opportunity to bury a baby in an angle plot at the local graveyard, and we did the following week. After a bereavement nurse brought our baby to the graveyard in a small paper bag to be buried, we were left to our own devices with so many questions. What had happened to our baby and when would we hear back from the hospital? Could I safely try again or would it end the same way? Been left in no man's land, myself and my husband returned to work a week after burying our baby. In hindsight, I wasn't ready. And I believe this has had a lasting effect on me and how I grieved. My colleagues would have been vaguely aware of what happened to me as I only had days before shared the news of my pregnancy. And unfortunately, that left me in a really vulnerable situation because there was no policy in place on how people should respond to a miscarriage in work. Mostly I was met with kindness. Some did try to avoid me and some unfortunately were still congratulating me as they were left unaware. It was difficult for my colleagues too and I feel that having a specific leave in place might make it easier for people in work to sympathise with you on your return from such a painful time. After this experience I realised that you're very much at the mercy of the kindness and the understanding of others and things need to be made much clearer on how this should be handled in workplaces across the country and set aside and and set a set amount of time needs to be set aside for each person dealing with the loss of a baby. I did not take any time off work for my other five miscarriages. I didn't feel the losses as severely as this most recent loss and thankfully managed to continue on at work with the support of my husband, friends and family. Each loss is very different as each woman at their situation or journey with fertility can be so different. I really just wanted to share my story, my portion of the story with you, because I believe that even if time cannot be set aside, 
all employers should be given a document with useful information on how to respond in these situations. And that comes in from another listener. There's one of many, many emails there today with really heartbreaking stories. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.